When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Tuesday of Ohio State's Week 2 as the Youngstown State Penguins come to town. But frankly, that's not what everybody's talking about. The next two games are games the Buckeyes should win with a blindfold on. And I don't mean any disrespect. Ohio State's roster is substantially more talented than Youngstown State and Western Kentucky. But there are a ton of questions facing the Buckeyes right now. And we're going to hear from Ryan Day this afternoon. Most notably... Is Kyle McCord the guy going forward? Has the competition been resolved? Because maybe Saturday's decision uh, to play Kyle McCord essentially the whole game, maybe that turned out to be the case. Maybe Ryan Day actually has made a decision. On top of that, the offensive line, how did they grade out? Chip Trainum, what does he need to do to have more carries? Uh, Will we see more two tight end packages? There are so many things we want to learn from Ryan Day this afternoon. So we'll start by posing those questions ourselves. We'll jump into it next on the Buckeye Breakdown Podcast. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. I'm Brendan Gulick, along with Anthony Meglin. Glad to be with you live at 7 a.m. every uh, weekday, 7 a.m. Eastern time, and we certainly have plenty of coverage for you on the weekends around Ohio State football. Uh, All the latest news and information on the team available over at BuckeyesNow.com. We are affiliated with the Sports Illustrated Media Group. And, of course, you can watch this live. We certainly would appreciate it if you subscribe to the channel. Uh, That helps support us. But if you're listening to uh, listening to this after the fact, nothing wrong with that either. You can find the show wherever you like to find your favorite podcasts. Uh, Anthony, I'd, I'd like to start, I guess, just by saying how are you and assuming you're better than Dabo Swinney this morning. Yeah, good morning. We talked about it. Hey, get, getting a win on the road is not as easy as it may seem. The, uh, the old Clemson Tigers uh, waking up with 0-1 today. That's uh, was not a good start. One of the weirder football games you really – could ever watch. Uh, they uh, they they looked like they moved the ball well. They did move the ball well. They played fine-ish defense and got beat by three scores. It was a uh, wild wild game last night. How about Clemson, top ten team in the country in the second half against unranked Duke, did not score or punt. Their six possessions were missed field goal, fumble, fumble. Turnover run downs, interception, turnover run downs. Yeah, just a surprise. A surprise from a team like that who's been there, done that, um, has been is obviously very experienced and well coached. Uh, I know whether you like Dabo or not is is a different story, but they are, they are well coached. Um, and just to see them see them struggle, and I think I saw that they had drives in at the four, seven, and one yard line in the either in the second half or in the full game. Regardless. Uh, doing that and not scoring, not being able to punch it in is uh, is is head scratching. 
I consider myself to be uh, proudly Catholic, and so this is not a not a joke in, in bad taste, but I do think that it was kind of funny that the coach that said somewhat recently that they build their program on God's name, image, and likeness uh, lost to the Devils in the opening <laughs> game of the season. The irony of that is not lost on me. I'm not a big Dabo fan. So. I couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah, not a big Dabo fan. Not uh, – not losing sleep over the fact that Dabo this morning um, probably is scratching his head. Yeah. Not going to dance on anybody's grave. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ohio State played Indiana and, you know, won by 20 points on the road mm-hmm. in conference. Uh, I think you'd take that all the time, right? But there are a lot of people clamoring for answers. Uh, and I think many of it is – many of those questions are reasonable. I think some of them are kind of silly. But let's try to attack a few of these here because we're going to hear from Ryan Day uh, in a couple hours. And by the way, we will have that press conference streaming for you live right here on this YouTube channel. So I uh, hope you'll uh, hope you'll join us again at noon this afternoon. Um, most notably, let's let's go to quarterback. Right, mm-hmm. Kyle McCord was was named quote the week one starter. And when Ryan Day stood up at the podium a week ago today, he said. Kyle McCord is going to start the Indiana game for us. He didn't say he's going to be the starting quarterback this season. He immediately followed that up by saying Devin Brown is going to see meaningful reps. That didn't happen. Devin Brown barely saw any reps, meaningful or otherwise. Um, I argued on this show earlier, uh, you know, or I guess it would have been within the last 48 hours, Sunday and Monday. I've argued that Kyle McCord seemingly is the guy going forward. But I think we need to ask Ryan Day, and I'm sure he's going to get asked many different ways if if the answer is not apparent, um, what happened that the decision process changed in real time on Saturday? Uh, has Kyle McCord become the starter? Like, how do we how do we talk about this? If, if, if he's not the starter, what happened? And if he is a starter, okay, then we won't talk about it anymore. Like, there's a competition. Yeah, right. And also, what was the what was the goal, I guess, in saying that both guys are going to get meaningful snaps? Was it to, to kind of throw off the scent um, and have Indiana prepare for two? Because that may be the case. Uh, but you, you don't love to see that because he was very adamant. Like it seemed as though um, it seemed as though he was, you know, genuine in saying that both were going to get meaningful snaps. And then that just did not. It just didn't happen. Um, so, you know, you hope that going in, Devin Brown was under the assumption that he was going to get some meaningful play and, and meaningful reps, uh, and then it, you know, whatever, didn't come to fruition. But you, you could definitely see a situation where, you know, maybe Coach Day is at the, at the end of the game when he said, you know, he just didn't feel like wanting to get things off rhythm. It wasn't timing up right. Game may have been too close or um, was a little too uncomfortable to get him in there. I don't know. It's it's a tough it's a tough situation, and you'll see how he answers it today. My guess is you're, it's going to be a lot of smoke and mirrors. Like I don't know that he's going to give too much of a clear answer um, as to why that is, but you'd love to figure it out and, and just know, like you said, how do we approach this going forward? Um, you know, who's the guy that's going to be taking snaps on Saturdays in Columbus? And and look, I mean, at the end of this, does it really matter if he tells us what he thinks? No, as long as they know, that's what's important. But this is their chance to, like, try to control some of the conversation. Like, they could squash this and say, this guy's the guy. Or, no, this is still an open competition, and Devin still does, you know, have a chance to play. I 
I expect that Devin Brown's going to play a considerable amount these next you know couple of games because I interpreted Kyle McCord's near constant presence on the field. I interpreted that as Ryan Day said, hey, this guy gives us a better chance to win because we came out of camp and decided he's going to start game one. He must be ahead of Devin. And the game wasn't a runaway blowout. And so in an effort to, you know, protect the the ability to win the game in Ryan's mind, it's not a condemnation of Devin. But if you're the you're the starting quarterback and the starting quarterback and we've seen that in Ryan Day's whole tenure. I mean, Justin Fields and C.J. Stroud played, you know, quote unquote, deeper into games that looked like they were out of hand and it got way out of hand before the next guy would come in. So I I just I I guess I understand where he went with that. I'm not second guessing him. I just think this would be their opportunity to to try to control the message a little bit and, and set the record straight if they want to. I think you're right. They can set the record straight and kind of control uh, control the narrative. However, you know, regardless of how either of these guys play this week and the week following, um, there's going to be a lot of uneasiness going into Notre Dame in a couple weeks uh, because you know you, we know the Ohio State fan. You know, you can watch the tape too. Doesn't matter if these guys go out and throw for 500 yards. It's going to be it, it'll be tough to convince anybody and honestly, potentially internally within the team. Like, hey. Did you know that there's some guys today and tomorrow or yesterday after they watched the tape, like, you know, feeling a little uneasy about, you know, what, 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 what happened? Uh, you know, we watched some tape yesterday, just a handful of clips. Um, and there's a lot of stuff out there that, you know, can be fixed and, and, and should be fixed. That's not hugely concerning. However, still just felt uncomfortable all day. It just didn't feel, it didn't feel like the Ohio State were used to. That's not going to change. Not gonna change. I'm going to say to watch you. Um, you know, the real question that's circled is when those guys go to South Bend, um, you know, you don't want to be rotating guys in and out. Like, you don't want that when, when you're over in um, over in Indiana. So you're, hope, you're hoping that they have this kind of decided and, you know, they choose one and go. You know, that's just kind of it. You know, just pick a guy and go or – you know, pick one after this week. You know, you mentioned it maybe last week, like, hey, maybe after Youngstown State, and then you establish the starter, and now you start going from there. But they got to make a decision one way or another. So for folks that are still uh, maybe new to the podcast and maybe aren't, aren't as familiar with Anthony's background, uh, I'll, I'll preface this before I kind of set this up, you know, this question up. So you can see the JCU shirt on. Anthony was a really good quarterback at John Carroll. Uh, a Division three school that is is pretty well known, certainly in the region, and and somewhat well known nationally. Um, back in 2016, you know, you played in a conference with a couple of what I would consider to be the worst teams in the country, mm-hmm. um, but you also, within a four week stretch, beat the number one team in the country twice in Mount Union and in Wisconsin Whitewater. So. You know, it, w- it was a great year. You guys had a great team and, and high expectations going into that year. Sound familiar? You also played against a couple of teams that weren't very good early in the season. Sound familiar? So what I, I guess what I'm trying to get at here is what kind of evaluations are realistic for Ohio State in trying to make determinations when they're going to see teams the next two weeks that that are far inferior, right? Like how – how is Kyle McCord or Devin Brown realistically going to try to separate themselves from each other, or or are they 
on tape against two teams that Ohio State should smack pretty good. Yeah, for for certainly. Like when I can look back at my time, you know, I was in two quarterback battles that are just like this. Um, me and another guy, I'd say, very evenly matched. And what some days uh, he was better than I was, and some days I was better than he was. But you could flip a coin, and you know, our team felt good whether I ran out there or he ran out there. Uh, and, and really, what it what it boils down to, and how you continue to evaluate, um, is that every day is a competition. Like when you establish number one guy. Um, you know, it's never it, – every practice is about the opponent. Every rep is about the opponent. Everything is about the opponent. When you're carrying on a competition in the season, it's a competition. You're splitting reps. You're trying to win, you know, win the practice so that you play on Saturdays. And maybe that isn't the way that it should be. And I remember going in because for whatever reason, you know, we had a bye week week two. It was like the worst thing in the world. Week two bye weeks – do not recommend. Um, but you go, you go out of camp, you play a game, and then you're back into camp mode. So it was not only like these guys were competing with each other to try to establish a starter for four weeks. Imagine doing that and then carrying that on for three more weeks right after that. So you're in a competition for eight long weeks uh, as opposed or seven long weeks, and it it bears a toll on you. You know, it's hard. It's stressful as heck because. You know, both guys want to be out there playing football. Both guys want to be contributing to their team. And uh, you, you want to do that. So every day is, is the highest level of stress you can you can possibly have. So that does wear on a guy. And they'll, if, if this is a competition that carries on, um, they will continue to, to compete in practice. And, you know, the guys will split first team reps. And then it gets to the point where your teammates are, they don't know who's coming into the huddle next. They don't know. And they, and they frankly get to the point where it's like, it doesn't matter. Like you know, Whoever it is, you know, I'm going to run my route and catch the football. And that's not great to have um, in a locker room and in an offensive huddle especially. It takes away from your preparation and it takes away from the trust of some of your guys um, that you're in a huddle with trying to go score points on, on every drive. I, I, I guess I just sit there and say, look, you know, Ryan Day's track record is literally as good as anybody that's ever done this. Uh, and certainly anybody around the country right now. I know there's a lot of opinions out there. I think just about everybody would agree that Ryan Day has developed quarterbacks better than anybody else. He's certainly in the conversation if you don't agree with that statement as a superlative. Uh, and, and you know, you saw the graphic on Saturday that there's only one coach in the history of the game that has a higher winning percentage who's coached at least 50 games than Ryan Day has. So he knows what he's doing, and I'm not going to say he's infallible that he doesn't make mistakes. Uh, there were things on Saturday that he decided on that I didn't love, and probably some things he wanted back. It, you know, it's hard to it's hard to do it in the heat of the moment when there's bullets flying and you're trying to figure out what you need to do to win the game. So um, until wins start becoming losses, I, I'm not going to second guess him. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's more than just a quarterback competition to figure out. And I've said all along, I think Devin Brown and Kyle McCord both can be successful this year because they've got so many really talented weapons around them. But I think both guys need to be put in a position to succeed. And I don't know if I personally think that that they were the entire game. Obviously, when I say they, it's more Kyle because he played far more snaps on Saturday. I, I don't know that I loved the scheme this weekend. I, I want to see the Ryan day that coached against Georgia 
that was so much fun to watch. And and I know we had a, a guy who ends up being the number two overall pick at, at quarterback. Like I understand that maybe you're trying to, you know, take some element of a little bit of baby steps to try to get Kyle comfortable, but there were just things I didn't love, right? I didn't, I didn't love all of the two tight end packages. Thought G Scott played good. I I liked seeing him on the field. Um, I don't have a problem with Kate Stover. I like Kate Stover quite a bit, actually. I, I just think when you run two tight end packages and when you have a running back on the field, and sometimes when you have two running backs on the field, like we saw this weekend, Somewhere along the way, that means Marvin Harrison Jr. and or Emeka Ibuka aren't on the field. And so do you want to have a quarterback who who has maybe the best player in the country in Marv and certainly one of the top five receivers in the country in Emeka? Do you, do you want to have them out there in quote-unquote crunch time without those two guys on the field? I don't, I don't know that schematically that's a great setup. And I, I totally agree with you. And, and we talked about this, um, you know, off air, what we want to hear from him today. And I hope somebody asked the question, like, what was, when did this change? Uh, because, you know, watching Saturday, it's been talked about a bunch. Like it was almost like Trestle-esque, the offense that was being run. You know, it was three yards, cloud of dust, hand the ball off a bunch. Um, and, and I don't know what the goal was because, the strength of this team isn't the run game. I think the run game is very good, and I think the running backs are very good. However, I think your receivers are elite. Like the, you got three guys out there, and and Marvin, Emeka, and uh, Julian Fleming that are elite guys. Why are we taking them off the field? That's you know that just doesn't make any sense to me. And you know why throwing from under center is very hard. It's hard to do. It's hard to straight drop back. Uh, and, and, you know, take a five to seven step drop and deliver a ball accurately. That's why you see now it's like 95% of college football is primarily out of the shotgun. Um, and, and I think that there was a weird step and an unusual, um, you know, the, the offense just looked unusual for a Ryan Day coach team. It's something we haven't seen before. And I don't know how that helps a young quarterback um, going under center like that. Yes, yeah, sometimes throwing off the play action is definitely helpful. However, taking your best guys off the field and forcing a guy to drop back uh, when, when guys have their ears pinned back because of your offensive line struggling a little bit, I don't understand how that helps the young guy um, and, and how that's a good evolution of the offense. I just don't, I just don't see it. Well, and to your point, right, I mean, when you have an offensive line, especially the left side that wasn't playing great, I mean, they, I don't think Donovan Jackson and, and Josh Simmons played horrible. I, I wouldn't grade them out as terrible, but they didn't play well. And if there was a, a, a weakness on this team this weekend, it was from that side of the line. But what I'm trying to figure out is like, for example, on a play where you've got this jumbo package and Luke Montgomery, who is an extra offensive lineman, is essentially lined up as a tight end. He was wearing number 98 this weekend. You know, when you've got him, for example, on the right side of the line and you've got Cade Stover over there as well, and you want to run to that side and pull your left guard, Donovan Jackson comes back and he has to shuffle, 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 and then go forward. He's not going to beat the running back to the hole. So I, I, again, like, I don't know that I necessarily fault a lack of execution on some of that. It's like from a play design perspective, there were a few things schematically that I just, I didn't love that. I didn't think put 
the Bucks in great position, and maybe that somehow doesn't reflect well in in for example Kyle McCord's stat line, right? Like, you know, I I think Kyle McCord threw a lot of passes within ten yards of the line of scrimmage, and and maybe even less than that. Um, completed a lot of those, but like we didn't see Ryan Day calling plays that kind of opened it up. And, I, and again, I'm assuming Ryan Day called plays because that's what we know at this point. I don't think it was Coach Hartline calling plays. But in the second half, when we started to see it open up a little bit, I felt like that's where the offense almost took a deep breath and felt like, hey, this is a little more familiar. Let's let's settle into what we know is a rhythm. And we showed it yesterday. But Kyle's got the ability, if it is Kyle going forward, He's got the ability to make throws. Yeah, he missed a couple, and a couple of them were just bad decisions, but he's not inaccurate by any means. I mean, you think about the throw to uh, Julian Fleming across the middle. I think that was a great throw. Even the touchdown, we didn't, you and I didn't show it yesterday, but you know, you've seen the touchdown pass to Marvin Harrison where Marvin got pushed out, stepped out, whatever it is. But that was still a very good throw, and it was a deep throw. And you've seen a couple to Cade Stover over the middle. So he can make the throws. You just wonder. I agree with you. I mean, there's just a bunch of head scratching going on. Like, what are we? What are we trying to do here? Like, what's the goal uh, of of this offense? Is it if we're trying to go through, you know, the running backs? Why can't we run them out of the shotgun? Or why are we doing this gap scheme where guys are pulling? And like you said, you know, we're in jumbo sets with a fullback. We, I mean, when was the last time Ohio State had a fullback? You know, um, out there playing. You know, and obviously it was Chip Trainum, but he's still playing. Yeah. I mean, no offense to Mitch Rossi, who certainly filled that role fine, you know, as a tight end slash fullback, but right, you know, he wasn't a true fullback. Yeah, and in the fullback in the sense that why are we at the forty yard line in the middle of the field when you have and you got two running backs behind the quarterback all within seven yards and a tight end? You know, you it just felt condensed, and like that's not the strength of this of this team and this offense. I don't know, right? Well, it, it not only is it not yeah, not only is it not the strength, it, it's it's just not what we're used to seeing. Like Ryan day has always almost exclusively been a let's spread it out and chuck it around. And he even said in the, in the post game press conference that in his eyes, you know, the ideal game is we run for two fifty, we throw for 300, we score 50 points. And I don't think you can do that. Call the kind of game that he did. I mean, maybe you can. It just doesn't right. seem very likely. Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, yeah, maybe you get a couple chunk plays off of a broken tackle for throwing a you know a hitch or a ten yard curl or whatever. But I agree. It, there's a lot to be. There should be some good questions today um, being asked of him. I don't know if he'll give give good answers if, if it'll be a lot of coach speak. But uh, I think there's a lot of fair criticisms um, to be to be answered. Uh, frankly. So I, I want to maybe kind of wrap with the thought we were just on there on, on the, you know, what, what we have become somewhat accustomed to seeing as normal mm-hmm. with the new clock rules. I think some teams, I, I don't know how to explain this the right way. Some teams found that the new clock rules really stunk, mm-hmm. but the data would actually show that it wasn't as impactful as you might think as a viewer. So I I saw this yesterday because it was a great article that was written about it. Um, You know, as people were clamoring for 
you know, hey, why are there so many commercials and these games are getting shorter? You saw, like, for example, what Chip Kelly said, uh, you know, when he was coming off the field at, at halftime at UCLA. Um, so far through games this season, FBS teams are running 66.9 plays per game. Last year, the median FBS team ran 68.7 plays per game, according to analysis on cfbstats.com. So, so that would indicate that you're only running a couple fewer plays offensively. So maybe if you're an Ohio State fan, your, your perception of this is skewed a little because it felt like Indiana wasn't trying to win the game. They just wanted to run the ball, shrink the clock as much as they could, and frankly, they were content losing by 20 instead of by 35 or 40. Um, so maybe it's not the, the best time to ask this question because there were a couple of other teams that scored 70 and 80 points this weekend. But is it realistic if teams are going to try to play Ohio State the way Indiana did? Is it realistic for Ryan Day to have the expectation that they're going to have 500 yards of offense every game and it's going to be split somewhat evenly and that they can score 50 points all the time? Is there even enough time to do that? Yeah, I think a time, time, the time isn't the biggest factor, um, in my opinion. In my opinion, is if you can, if you can get first downs um, and move the ball. You know, we talked about it last week. Like, you know, you want to stay ahead of the change. You want to stay ahead of the sticks and on schedule. And Ohio State didn't do that. There's a lot of second and tens. There's a lot of third and longs, and that makes it really hard, hard to do. And especially when the other team is trying to shrink the game, like you had mentioned, like you need to, you need to establish your offense because then you're back in control because regardless of what Indiana's game plan was, let's say in, in theory, they were like, Hey, let's just try not to get slaughtered this week. You know, that if you get up seven, if you get up 14, they're going to come out of that. Like, and then you're dictating the tempo and Ohio state then is dictating the pace, no longer allowing Indiana to dictate the pace when it's seven, three with two minutes to go in the first half. Yeah. You're not in control of the pace. And then it's, it's very nerve wracking on the Ohio state side and you're running out of time and it feels like the, the first half is flying by and your drives are short because they are, because Indiana's dictating the tempo. Um, I think the, the timing or the new time rules shouldn't play that big of a role. Um, you should be able to light it up and go and throw for five, you know, have 500 yards of total offense. It was consistent throughout the throughout college football on Saturday and Sunday and yesterday. Uh, but you have to get in control. You have to get in the driver's seat. You can't be get taken for a ride like uh, like Ohio State was, um, you know, on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I um, I I personally want to see a little more data on it. But mm -hmm. I think first of all, Ohio State, for example, only had four drives the whole first half, right? And one of them was a lengthy eleven play, eighty yard drive that included a lot of run plays. It's not like they, you know, only passed the ball up the field on that, you know, uh, season opening scoring drive. Um, so when you have two teams that are running the ball like that, it's the game's going to get a little shorter. 10-3 at halftime was like, wait, what? And the reality is Indiana kind of gifted Ohio State that field goal with the way they, uh, they closed their last drive of the first half. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know why they – wanted to go for that on fourth and short uh, where they were on the field. I mean, I, I guess maybe it was a little long for a kick, but I didn't think that was outrageous. And, and they basically gave Ohio state the ball close to the 40 yard line, a couple of plays later and, and a bad taunting 
you know, call. Well, let me rephrase that. It was a good call, but it was a bad decision uh, when the guy taunted over Marvin Harrison. I mean, they they gifted Ohio State three points there. I mean, it it realistically felt like a 7-3 game at halftime. So to your point, I think you just got to figure out a way to control the game and you, you got to manage the clock a little bit better. Um, if you want to have games that look like what you know and, and are you know regularly expecting them to look like. And in the past, Ryan Day offenses have controlled the game. It's been, we're going to play on our pace at our time. We're going to do it our way. And that's how you get the offense outputs that you normally do. And then when you do something like Saturday and it's, it is, you know, when you have an 11 play drive, that's primarily running the ball and it takes five, six, seven minutes to score or kick a field goal or, you know, even have to punt or turn it over, you know, that's hard to do because you have, you, you that limits your possessions. You have to be on your P's and Q's and you have to score every time you get the ball because there's just not many times. So it's just weird. And it, and it felt off, um, you know, from the, uh, from Ohio state's offense. You know, for, for all the things we've just discussed, I, I, I think there is also an element going into this week of, you know, you, you are literally paying money to Youngstown State and Western Kentucky to show up in Columbus and be a sacrificial lamb so that you can figure it out before you move on with the rest of your season. I mean, it is, it is a transactional game, right? It's a buy game. So you're, at, you're expected not just to win, but to win handily. And it, you're, you're not going to do it in a disrespectful way to your opponent, but it's a chance to see some things that you, you feel like you need or want to see. So for as much sense as it might make to follow the logic that we've, you know, seen here in week one, I don't know that it's going to just totally fall true to form as we move forward this week. Maybe Devin Brown plays a lot more on Saturday, even though, you know, the the Buckeyes might have a, a slightly tighter game. I, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to shake out, but um, there are a lot of questions facing Ryan Day, and I, I hope he is willing to shine a little bit of a light on them. Um, he certainly doesn't have to, doesn't have to say anything. And sometimes when you say things, you open your, you know, you open yourself to further debate and further criticism. And that's why you see some coaches just never say anything. I, I hope Ryan Day is willing to, you know, give fair answers to two fair questions. If he gets backed into a corner, I wouldn't blame him if he just says, you know, some coach speak kind of answer, but I, I hope he's willing to shed the light a little bit on on thought process. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You know, a lot of the coaches keep everything tight to the vest. You know, we'll see what he has to say this afternoon. I hope I follow in your in your uh, in, I align with you. I hope he gives us some good answers um, this afternoon. But like, we'll see. Twelve noon, Woody Hayes Athletic Center. That's the place to be. Ryan Day will be at the podium. Uh, we don't know who else is coming at this point, but. Most of the time on a Tuesday when Ryan is done, we get a coordinator and we get uh, historically we've gotten a player. And a lot of times that's been quarterback. I don't know if Kyle will be made available to us or not. We did not have a chance to hear from Jim Knowles um, or Brian Hartline post game on Saturday. So perhaps we'll hear from one of them today. I think it'd be great if we heard from Coach Hartline because a lot of the questions um, right now are, are around the offensive side of the ball where Jim Knowles might get maybe a little bit more praiseworthy stuff. Um, but in terms of trying to find out some answers, I think it'd be great if, if Coach Hartline was available. We'll see what happens. In the meantime, we know that's today at noon. And then tomorrow night after practice down at the Woody, we'll hear from some of the players as well uh, as they share their thoughts on, on uh, a week one win and a chance to come play in front of a home crowd 
for the first time this season. Again, all the latest news and information around the Ohio State football team is available for you over on BuckeyesNow.com. We're on the Fan Nation Network, part of the Sports Illustrated Media Group, and uh, certainly would appreciate it if you'd subscribe to our YouTube channel here so we can continue to bring you the Buckeye Breakdown podcast each and every morning. For Anthony Meglin, I'm Brendan Gulick. We'll see you in just a few hours down at the Woody. Hopefully Ryan Day is feeling talkative today.